Welcome to the Business of Security podcast, episode number 10. Your host today is Ron Warner. He'll be talking with Joyce Bracaglia, CEO of Alta Associates and founder of the Executive Women's Forum. Now let's get to it. industry need to start talking about that we're not doing today. Information technology is built on a horrible foundation. If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. If you don't invest in it, keep it running, it will blow up. We also have to be able to go in with solutions, not just problems. We have a long way to go if we're going to win this fight. At the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure against all the threats, the threats, the threats, the threats. Welcome to the Business of Security podcast. I'm your host, Ron Werner with RWX Security Solutions. With me today is Joyce Bercaglia, President and CEO, Alta Associates, and the founder of the Executive Women's Forum. In 1986, Joyce founded Alta Associates, the leading boutique executive firm specializing in information security, cybersecurity, and IT risk management. Joyce also founded the Executive Women's Forum on Information Security Risk Management and Privacy, and today it's the largest member organization dedicated to engaging, developing, and advancing emerging leaders, as well as the most prominent and influential female executives in their field. Today, Joyce Bercaglia is going to help us understand the hiring process for security business leaders and how we can build a more diverse workforce. Welcome, Joyce. Thank you. Happy to be here with you, Ron. Glad you could be here with us. We have a lot to learn from you. Congratulations on all the awards for you and Alta Associates. Very impressive. I'll start with asking, how did you get into cybersecurity or back in the day it was information security? Is this something sitting in a classroom you said, hey, I want to be an executive in cybersecurity someday? (laughs) <laughs> no, definitely not. That was uh, that was not even a, uh, a, a thought I was considering. Um, but rather, um, I was already the CEO of Alta Associates, as you mentioned. I founded this company 31 years ago. We were doing a lot of work in IT audit at the time. And in 1994, the Russians hacked into Citigroup. They hired their first ever chief information security officer, a gentleman by the name of Steve Katz, who is a truly still a luminary in our industry. Um, And Steve called me up and said, hey, I have to build a data security organization, um, and I'd like you to help me. And I said, well, tell me what that is. Um, So we built that very first information security department um, at Citigroup in 1994, um, and we have been doing so ever since. Um, We are specialized uh, recruiting firm, um, and we place chief information security officers, IT risk officers, privacy officers, people that work in GRC, which is governance, risk, and compliance. Um, so really, I, I, I was kind of chuckling because I spoke to someone the other day that I had placed in a role at 35000 and today he's earning $1.4 So I think we have a, a very unique perspective of the evolution of not only uh, the information security um landscape, uh, what companies are dealing with, but very unique relationships with folks that, um, you know, we have helped both in their own uh, career progression and their own career advice and in building their organizations as they've progressed progressed through their careers, um, you know, at multiple um, uh, companies that they've worked for along the way. Um, So, you know, we are kind of the pioneers, if you will, 
in cybersecurity recruiting. So although there may be firms out there that, you know, are saying and touting themselves as cybersecurity experts, uh, no one has our story to tell, um, our track record, or as deep of industry uh, trusted relationships as we do. And the history associated with information security. You've seen lots of changes. Maybe if you can talk to me about some of the changes you've seen since you started with information security 20, 25 years ago. What has changed and even what hasn't changed? Well, um, I guess the thing that hasn't changed and the thing that's allowed me to be a part of it for so many years is that the the people that are engaged in the cybersecurity industry are, are really amazing people. They are, they are passionate. They are talented. Um, they are skilled at what they do. Um, and most of them have a calling uh, that goes above and beyond uh, just what their compensation is or just what the job is. They may work for, you know, um, Eli Lilly, or they may work for a different healthcare company where the, where the mission of keeping, you know, patients safe, um, of helping others, um, of, of doing uh, things that are going to protect the infrastructure, the nation, um, your bank account. Um, these people have a real drive and a real passion, um, you know, that goes beyond this being a job for them. So I think that that really hasn't changed. Um, what has changed um, is the types of people that are attracted to the role um, the broadening of the roles, responsibilities, and at the most senior levels, um, the exposure and interaction um, with the board of directors. So I've seen the role of the CISO evolve from being, you know, Joyce, find us the most technical person um, to having Alta engage with companies now. And when we do CISO searches, often we're either finding a first-time CISO for them because they recognize that what got their company to here isn't going to get them to there. So they, they want to bring people on board um, and elevate the role, even though they may have someone that's a head of security, um, or they are hiring their first time ever um, CISO because they were in an industry or their type of company that they didn't think they really needed it, and now they recognize that they do. Um, we are also seeing um, that predominance of CISOs presenting to the board and um, really needing that broader business acumen uh, in terms of executive skills, executive communication skills, leadership skills um, that it takes to um, present to the board of directors. Um, so, you know, I think that the um, information security officers um, truly are being elevated um, into that type of C-suite responsibilities. And I believe that they should be. They should have that recognition. They certainly have that responsibility um, because when you're at that senior level, um, you need to understand uh, that um, cybersecurity, um, information security, data protection, business continuity, privacy, third-party risk. I mean, it is a huge job with many, many facets to it. Um, and those CISOs that are most successful are not just those that are strong technically, but rather have a much more holistic approach to risk, 
um, and are able to create organizations where cybersecurity enhances the company's reputation and is seen as a differentiator uh, or even a competitive advantage to the outside marketplace. You mentioned some of the top skills that are needed by CISOs, but I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper and just flush those out. In placing CISOs, what do you look for the most? So what are the top three skills or abilities required of CISOs? What is needed for as part of being a CISO? Well... You know, I, I think those CISOs that are most transformative are the ones that really utilize their skills um, to both understand how to reduce risk in their organization, but also um, are incredibly adaptable to what is a, a really volatile threat landscape. Um, so, you know, when we interview people, um, we look for people that talk about things that go far beyond purchasing technology so solutions, um, but really um, are proven that they are leaders and leaders in a collaborative sense. Um, people that um, you know, if if they're if we're interviewing for this them for a CISO, chances are it's very easy to look at their pedigree, right, and to see that they've had the technical competencies that they need, you know, moving from one position to another. Um, the technical competencies at, at that point are almost to some extent a given, and and the real. Um, more difficult part of the interview is understanding, does this person have what they need for the particular role that the company has asked us to fill? So, um, you know, we, we are a retained search firm. We work for the client. So it's a very different person that we're looking for if we're looking for a Fortune 100 financial services company than if we're looking for a startup CISO than if we're looking for a company that perhaps is working at, um, you know, a nonprofit or a university. Um, so it's difficult to say what are the, you know, what are the things that companies are looking for. Um, but from our perspective, it is finding someone who has the business acumen, who can be collaborative, and who can move into a culture that will provide them what they need at the time they need it, right? So whether that's coming on board, assessing what's currently there, and then building a team um, for a company that may be hiring their first-time CISO, right? So if it's a company that's bringing on someone that's either new uh, and hasn't established that, they typically don't need someone who's managed huge teams before, but rather someone who still can be hands-on enough, who still can understand, um, you know, how to be immediately technically credible to the people that are on board that are that are part of their technology organization, but then can turn around in a very business way and and speak to the key stakeholders in that business about you know, what their security posture, security risk tolerance is, and how they're going to um, build and implement um, a security team uh, and a security solution for them that fits their needs, right? 
if we're dealing with a, a, a regulated, let's say, financial services company, then the questions again become, assuming the person has had the technical competence and managed the teams along the way, we may be drilling into how much experience do they have in dealing with regulators? How much do they understand the global, you know, high-processing, um, complex systems of a financial services organization? Um, so, you know, cybersecurity people think about as being just, you know, hacking and threats and intrusion, but the reality is, you know, the higher you move up in the scale of a career, you know, to that chief information security risk officer, privacy officer, the broader the knowledge that that person has to be, um, the more of an entrepreneur they have to be in terms of um, looking to start up companies and products and beta testing things and, and really providing the thought leadership and the guidance to their company in terms of strategy, direction, and then transparency to the board. Um, that's one of the reasons that uh, so many people have come to me over the past years saying, you know, Joyce, uh, I'm a CISO. We know that there's more need for cybersecurity folks, and I want a seat at the table. I want to get on a board. And and for many of them, I kind of laugh and say, well, you, you know, you want a seat at the board, but you don't have any table manners, right? You may present to the board, but you don't really understand how boards work. You haven't evaluated your network. You're, you're, you're not... Um, you know, you're not able to figure out how to make yourself as discoverable as possible to boards that are seeking cybersecurity expertise. And I've heard that so often that, that we'll actually be launching a company in the first quarter uh, called Board Suited, um, and that is going to be a, um, an e-learning online, very comprehensive course for men and women um, to learn about uh, boards and how they operate and how how to best position themselves um, to gain on a board because we're starting to see that yesterday I think it was just yesterday maybe the day before um, California just is the first state to pass a law that there has to be at least one woman on boards um, that's a big breakthrough yes and I, I think there's a lot of women in cybersecurity who have that unique skill set. Uh, that combination of technology savvy and business acumen uh, that could potentially, uh, maybe they had never thought of themselves before as a board member um, and, you know, are really um, poised and ready. And, and this course, this board-suited course that we're developing will be ideal for women like that um, to help best position to them, them uh, for their first board seat if that's what they aspire to do. It sounds like you're not only showing what needs to be done to be a successful CISO, but also giving students the opportunity to practice their table manners by going to an actual dinner, if you will, continuing that analogy, which is great because it, it takes that level of experience to be successful. You can have all the head knowledge you want, but until you practice it in real-world situations, you're always going to run into challenges. You Let's take a short break and hear a success story from our sponsor, TrustMap, the business management system for security leaders. Hey, this is Chad Beckman. I just want to uh, quickly introduce uh, Pam Bro. Pam, welcome. Thank you. Pam, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing with the Roundtable Network. Yeah, so, well, first, thanks for having me. I am 
My background is I've been in cybersecurity for uh, 18, 19 years now, which is a long time for this um, sector. And um, I've primarily been during that time serving the, the CISO community. You know, so I have a really rich network of Fortune 1000 CISOs. And I've just launched my third services business last year. And it's really to address a market need that the CISOs have around understanding which technologies to look at to fight the war. There's thousands of cybersecurity vendors and they're getting hundreds of unsolicited uh, calls every week. And if they actually ferreted through uh, which vendors to look at, it would be a full-time job. So I do that for them and I do that in a very specific way by uh, identifying four or five products each quarter that I introduce to them in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. So I meet with each of my Fortune 50, Fortune 500 executives, I have 50 of them, uh, for one hour each quarter to present those products. And they love it um, and it helps them understand which products are worthy and deserve to be above the noise. Um, there's a little bit more to it. I do other services for them, but that's the centerpiece. Very cool. So you're helping to really uh, sort through the noise, as it were. That's a very big topic now amongst the CISO community, particularly with all the vendors uh, that uh, sometimes have great solutions and other times they have a different spin on an old idea. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the success of your program. Uh, I, I, you know, candidly, I'm responsible for TrustMap and we've worked together, but um, what kind of success have you seen and, and what's the most successful product out of your program today? You know, obviously I have two, uh, two customers in a sense, right? But my primary client is my CISOs, the 50 Fortune 500 CISOs that I serve. And I do not take money uh, from the vendors. I really am relying on bringing value to the CISOs. And when I do, I monetize in that way. So every quarter I'm reinventing myself. So every quarter I really do have to find four or five products or services, it can be a service as well, that hit a pain point. Because I'm having 50 one-on-one -on -one conversations every single quarter with these executives, it's fairly easy for me to recognize a product that would meet a need. Um, and then of course I go through a, a very rigorous process of, of vetting that solution to make sure that they can deliver and deliver at scale because I don't want my executives to be the um, guinea pig, so to speak. The process is, 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 a, is a long one around vetting. And then as far as successful products, I, I have to say that TrustMap's been my most successful vendor and how do I measure success? How many of my 50 Fortune 500 CISOs said, I've got to see this product, I have this problem to solve? Over 30, so more than half of my network said, you know, you had me at hello, actually. <laughs> I do the presentation, I do a short five to seven minute presentation on each of my vendors each quarter. And I usually don't get all the way through the presentation on TrustMap because they resonate so well with the problem that you solve, which is, you know, they need to measure their program and show progress to the executive team and the board. And they're doing this right now manually. And so to automate that and make it put more rigor and consistency behind it is crucial. Actually, it's crucial to their success and their role. You know, a lot of CISOs these days, um, you know, their jobs are on the line and they have to show what they're doing um, to their peers, to their leadership team and to the board. That's wonderful. Thanks for that summary, Pam. I really appreciate it. Uh, if the CISOs want to get a hold of you, 
uh, or perhaps some innovative vendors out there, what's the best way for them to get in contact? I'll just suggest that they go to my website. Um, obviously, it's really easy to get a hold of me from there. My website is the roundtablenetwork.com and you should be able to find me. Great. So for everybody, that was theroundtablenetwork.com. Pam, thank you very much for taking time to talk about your program and the success that TrustMap has had. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Remember, listeners of the podcast can schedule a free trial of TrustMap at trustmap.com slash business. Now let's get back to the show. You actually already answered the question that I was going to ask about how do those looking to be a CISO or security leader build those skills? And it sounds like it's just get out there and practice. Start small in your local community and then build from there. Learn how to market yourself. Learn how the business operates. So as you mentioned, it's more than just technology today. It's also understanding. Yeah, and I think organizations are incredibly important. You know, if you're earlier on in your career um, and you're already a cybersecurity person or you're in a, you know, a a tangent role and want to move into cybersecurity, you know, organizations like the one I founded 16 years ago, the Executive Women's Forum on Information Security, Risk Management, and Privacy, um, they help to develop trusted networks. They help for you to engage as an active member and, you know, build relationships that people can see what your skills are. And, you know, so many opportunities are filled that never, you know, kind of hit the job pages or come to an executive search firm like myself. Um, They're filled based on internal referrals. They're filled on the fact that I was at this meeting or I heard you speak at this event and, you know, we've developed a relationship or you helped me with this project and, hey, this opportunity comes up. Why don't we call Ron? You know, he was really a a, a huge help to me, um, you know, on this nonprofit board I sat on or I heard him speak at this event or I participated where he was a a leader at this workshop. So, um, you know, you have to be an active participant in your own career. Um, And, uh, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. Um, We as an executive search firm do an awesome job um, in representing both kind of the the companies in terms of helping them to find, you know, that needle in a haystack that's going to fit their unique needs. Um, But we, you know, we we also um, spend a lot of time in counseling the candidates on how they should, um, you know, best prepare themselves to be seen um, in the right light and what other activities they should be involved in um, to highlight their expertise um, and to kind of shine a a light on um, what they're doing, not just for themselves, but for the betterment of the industry. Um, Because going back to what I said in the beginning, I think this is an industry um, that people are passionate about. I know I am. Um, And, you know, we, you know, I've spent the past over 30 years of my life building world-class diverse teams and advancing women leaders. Um, That's what we do here at Alta. You know, it doesn't happen by accident that over 50% of the searches we filled are filled with diverse candidates. Um, It's because we have that trusted network of diverse candidates, and it's because we advise our clients and help them from the very beginning to look at how their job descriptions are written, to look at what their interview panels are like, to look at what is the experience a candidate is having when they come on board. 
all of that is important and actually, you know, producing and acquiring, um, you know, diverse candidates for roles. Um, we've placed five women CISOs in the past year. And uh, as I said, more than 50% of our placements are diverse. Um, so, you know, in an industry that, that claims there's not a strong pipeline or not enough diversity, you know, I think that Alta Associates is proof uh, that it can be done. Yes, very, very true. And that is a, one of the other areas I wanted to discuss with you about today. Uh, as the founder of the Executive Women's Forum, you are very involved, both with Alta and sounds like outside as well, in establishing women and minorities within IT and cybersecurity. Please talk about your efforts. In particular, what can individuals, males and females, do to help? What, what do we need to do both as an industry and as individuals? Sure. So, you know, uh, growing up as a Jersey girl and spending most of my life on Wall Street as the only woman in the room, it was very apparent to me that I knew a lot of women throughout the industry, uh, but those women didn't necessarily know each other, and there certainly was not a venue for them to get together. So 16 years ago, I thought I would host a cocktail party for these amazing women in various industries that I knew. And what started in my mind as a cocktail party ended up being 125 women in Sanibel Island, Florida, for the first ever Executive Women's Forum conference. Um, fast forward 16 years, and uh, in October uh, 23rd to the 25th, we will be in Arizona for the 16th annual national conference, and we will gather almost 500 of the most remarkable women in security, privacy, and risk together. Um, that is just one aspect of the Executive Women's Forum. We have about 45 companies, Fortune you know, 100 types of companies, uh, companies that you certainly um, you know, would know if I if I mentioned if I started at A, I'd say you know AIG and Amazon and Bank of America and Citibank and Facebook and you know all the way through to Verizon and Wells Fargo. Um, these companies are our corporate benefactors. They are the corporations that partner with us to help us provide um, opportunities and events. Um, for women throughout the year um, across industries and across the United States. So we're probably best known for the conference that I mentioned, but we are just launching a millennials program um, that is a program called the Rising Leaders Forum, kind of for millennials, by millennials. Um, because when I started the EWF, you know, talk about evolution. When I started the EWF, I did it for the most senior women, and they brought their plus ones and their high potentials. So now the Executive Women's Forum is made up of members um, that really represent women from, you know, uh, early in their management levels of careers all the way through the times that they're CISOs and, and contemplating getting on boards. We have leadership development programs. We have a program called LIFT, which is our mentorship program. Um, we've probably put, I don't know, well over a 1,000 women through this mentorship program. There's 200 currently involved in this session. They have uh, mentees and mentors. We developed a mentor master class for the mentees to go through to learn how to be better mentors. And they do a 360 review when they're done. Um, 
are corporations that are those corporate benefactors. They host half-a-day regional meetings throughout the United States where women and men gather, and they listen to not just women on stage, but women and men. We've had presidents, CEOs, chief diversity officers, CIOs, all speak um, about their roles, about the thought leadership that they show in their companies, but also about the importance of diversity of thought. Um, so, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers, and the EWF, through these corporate benefactors, uh, really having a very positive impact on advancing women and on raising uh, the awareness of the importance of diversity of thought. Um, we have scholarship programs. We've given a full master's of science degree scholarship each year uh, to go to Carnegie Mellon's INI to young women. Um, and for the past two years, we've done something that I think is really remarkable. We created a um, cybersecurity women on Capitol Hill public-private partnership, and through our meetings with state CIOs, CISOs, federal agencies, as well as over 25 meetings that we had in May on, on Congressional Hill in terms of meeting with both Congress and Senate and, and cybersecurity subcommittee members, um, out of that, we are helping to do um, a couple of remarkable things. One, ensuring that the CIOs of each of the states as they build their cyber advisory board are aware of our EWF members and security and privacy and risk to be a part of those boards. We're working with the Senate to develop a speaker series where our women's voices can be heard. Um, and we are also uh, Senator uh, Congresswoman Jackie Rosen, who is actually running for Senate, has agreed to be the lead signer on a dear colleague letter that is going to all congressional members and subcommittee members for cybersecurity um, that is requesting and asking for increased participation in women's, um, women's increased participation in cybersecurity legislation. So this is historic kind of stuff. Uh, and this is what the EWF is about. You know, um, I'm incredibly passionate um, to say that, you know, at a time that our country is so divisive and so partisan, um, one of the things I'm most proud of is that the Executive Women's Forum is an organization that respects and welcomes and provides programs and events for all women of every age, every race, every nationality, every, every seniority level, every sexual orientation. Um, we love these women, we support these women, and um, you know we have moved the needle forward. Um, we are kind of a movement of our own. I talk to these women about being a part of the sisterhood, um, and um, we care about these women holistically. So not only are we helping these women to achieve their, their professional and career goals, but really helping them um, as women uh, to step into their power and achieve, um, you know, their their personal dreams as well. That's outstanding. We need to continue to build that and to emphasize the need for the diversity, both between gender and different races, creeds, what have you, to be able to understand different people's perspectives and their strengths that they can bring to the table. And everyone has these strengths. So I, I applaud what you've done with the Executive Women's Forum. As someone who mentors high school <laughs> students, including 
young ladies and trying to encourage them, sometimes in a very male-dominated realm because it tends to be focused mostly on the technology. So this is another great resource for women and minorities. Where can folks go to learn more about the Executive Women's Forum? Sure. So if they go to ewf-usa.com, um, they will find all information about uh, either personally being a member or having their corporations come on board as a corporate benefactor. And as such, um, they would be entitled to you know all sorts of their benefits of, from the EWF membership that allows um, both their corporation as well as uh, their individual um, women participate in many, many, many events throughout the year and throughout the country. Um, and in terms of Alta Associates, it's altaassociates.com, and uh, there's tons of success stories on the website that talk about how we have helped companies either build their first-time information security risk or privacy organizations or help companies to really elevate um, those organizations and help them um, to diversify their teams um, and, you know, just be much stronger, uh, much more competitive, uh, and, uh, you know, really make them uh, the best that they can be. Um, we have spent years being trusted advisors specifically in that area, and uh, you know, we're the best at what we do. And I appreciate how you put that as a trusted advisor, because that's definitely what we need to do and be as professionals, not just technology or cybersecurity. I have one final question. By the way, listeners, this is uh, Ron Werner with the Business of Security podcast. With me today, I have Joyce Bercaglia, President and CEO of Alta Associates. My final question, Joyce, is what else do business leaders need to know about hiring for, building, managing, or maintaining a successful security and privacy program? So what are your final thoughts to business leaders regarding running a cybersecurity program? I think the final thought I would say is that, that, that they have to take the recruiting process into their own hands. Um, cybersecurity recruiting and building a strong, diverse, qualified team of individuals is very different than um, what their internal teams may be used to recruiting with their generalist recruiters. So many times um, we are called in you know, after the CIO has frustrated all of their efforts over six months or nine months with roles that still aren't filled. And, you know, it always strikes me that this is such an incredibly important role that at a certain point in your career, your success, your paycheck, your bonus, the safety of your company is dependent upon how strong your direct team of plus ones and plus twos are. So to leave that... Um, out there kind of hanging in the wind um, and leave those roles open um, for extended period of time um, has the potential of hurting you personally, um, the company, the company's reputation, and, and eventually even the stock price of the company should there be a breach during that time. Um, so my uh, advice would be to, you know, reach out and take control of that process. Um, we provide a first slate of candidates within 21 days. We put people on a weekly call. Um, we have an, you know, a, a time to fill our roles. Um, that's probably one-third of the industry standard. Um, so you know, I, I think the advice that I would give to people that are doing hiring um, is you know, 
partner with a, a retained search firm um, who will truly advocate and truly find you the right people. Um, because you may, you know, try to do this on your own, um, but the cost is measured not just in the dollars of the fee, but in the amount of time that it takes or the problem of making a mistake in a hire and either that person leaves or is asked to leave and then you're starting the process all over again. That's what we see time and again are companies that come to us after they've been through that gauntlet. Um, so my advice would be to save yourself <laughs> going through that hell and reach out to us and, and mm -hmm. we will partner with you. Um, you know, to have an enjoyable um, and, and effective uh, recruiting strategy. Well, to find the right match for both the candidate and the employer. Like that's what's so important is to build on the strengths of each and to make sure that both are successful. Sometimes folks who are... Absolutely, and to do it in a timely manner. Yes, you know? exactly. Because, because uh, these, you know, these, these candidates are getting 12, 15 you know, pings mm -hmm. a week yes. about roles. The market is insanely competitive. Yes. Um, so you have to step up your game. Very good. Well, I appreciate all of your insights and advice there, Joyce. This has been a great session. Uh, any other parting thoughts before I conclude? Um, cybersecurity is is incredibly important. Um, the people that are doing the threats are incredibly diverse. Um, it's important that you fill your roles and build your team with diverse talent. Um, that's the only way that we are going to um, both fill those um, open roles that exist um, and um, really uh, come through with the thought leadership that's necessary uh, in this incredibly complex career. Wow. Thanks again, Joyce. Great insights. This concludes the Business of Security podcast. My guest in this episode is Joyce Bracaglia of Alta Associates and the, and the Executive Women's Forum. You can read more about her on the Alta Associates and Executive Women's Forum's websites. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Please come back for more thought-provoking conversations from security leaders. And thanks again, Joyce. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for speaking with me. Thanks for listening to the Business of Security podcast. Special thanks to our guest today, Joyce Bracagnia. Our host today was Ron Warner. Connect with Ron on LinkedIn and learn more about his company, RWX Security Solutions, online at rwxsecurity.com. Our next podcast episode features Bob Zukas, CEO of Digital Directors Network and professor at USC Marshall. You've been listening to the Business of Security podcast, and that's a wrap.